Star Cisco, where we are putting the spotlight on shared perspective, dialogue, and culture. So you have colorful hair? Don't care. Tattoos? Show us your ink. Got a unique style? That's cool. Pop culture geek? Many of us are. So we invite you to join us in real discussions of passions and vulnerabilities and learn what it really means to be a Ciscoanian. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome, Alphonsine, to the We Are Cisco podcast. Thank you so much, Madison and I are so grateful that you could take the time to join us. Um, and so how we're going to do, we're going to get started. And why don't you take two or three minutes and tell the world about yourself, um, what you do here at Cisco, and how long you've been here. Uh, my name is Alphonsine Anderson. I have been at Cisco for over nine years. I can't believe how time flies by. <laughs> I am... Um, now working a part of the U.S. commercial uh, customer success team. It's part of the customer experience organization, and uh, it's really great to work with the customers in in the adoption process to ensure that um, our solutions and the products are uh, adopted by the customers and that it's meeting the expectations and that... Um, they're getting the value for their money, in other words, making that of uh, technical features and the requirements are met and, and uh, they understand what why they're buying our solutions. So that's pretty much my role. Oh, nice. Okay, nine years. Yeah, time does really go by fast, doesn't it? It does. It I certainly know. does. I think I've yeah. been here two and a half. And honestly, it kind of feels like 10 when I think about all that I've done. <laughs> and then I look back and I'm like, wait, we've we've only been here a few years. So I'm sure you, you probably have done a lot in your time here uh, at Cisco. And so that's really yeah. cool. How did yeah. you... How do you feel, um, like, what do, what do the customers feel like? Like, what's the temperature pulse on that? You know, being able to engage with them and make sure that they have the products that they need or, you know, um, kind of just making sure that connection is there between them and the products. Yeah, definitely. So, and, uh, and to add it to my current role, which I recently started uh, last November 2019, um, is that I've I love working directly with the customers. So all my roles at Cisco, I have been um, working in the customer-facing roles where I get to really become a customer um, uh, trusted advisor. That is really uh, something that customers like to hear. They like to hear that you're not just there to be like, oh, uh, implement, buy this, buy that, and yeah. then we're mm-hmm. gone. They just want to hear that. They bought the solutions and the products and uh, hardware, software, uh, everything, and that we are there to make sure that it's working, to make sure that it's meeting the expectations. So uh, as soon as you have that level of trust uh, with your customer, it's just everything flows uh, easy, easy, and it's uh, the recommendations um, uh, that you make to them, uh, anything that is a suggestion or something they could change or helping them in my previous role, it was more of the implementations where I actually help them implement our solutions. Uh, it was. It's always been really good to hear uh, when a customer's sentiment is up uh, or by sometimes when you start a project, they may be like, oh, nothing's working, we need mm-hmm. Cisco to help us. And then as 
you get to help with them and the things they're walking with, they'll be like, oh, my goodness, you know, uh, please, please, can we have another project coming up or can we uh, make sure that they assign you to it? So things like that is always uh, really encouraging from our side, but also just knowing that your customers are happy with the services and, and um the solutions that we have sold and implemented for them. Yeah, that, 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 and, that, and that's good, Alfonso. I can identify with that, you know, because coming from sales myself, um, the jobs aren't always easy, but to me, the easy part is the customer obsession, right? Um, <laughs> it's it's really easy just to kind of make sure that you, it's sometimes a tough road to become that trusted advisor. Sometimes you have more technical customers and more difficult customers or customers that have difficult requirements, but it all starts with having that clear line of communication. So I see that in you and I see that in your personal relationship. So can you go a bit deeper into, so you've been here nine years, right? And you just started a new role last November, but walk us through how you got to Cisco, what led up to your career here at Cisco, whether personally or professionally. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really actually an incredible story. Um, I first learned about Cisco. You will not believe how big Cisco is. They had uh, a lab on campus where I went to college in Rwanda. That's in Africa, many, many uh, thousands of miles away. Mm-hmm. And um, But this lab, so my, uh, my undergraduate was electronics engineering. So only computer science major were allowed in the lab. I'm like, why? We're so jealous and that we couldn't be able to have access to it. It was just structured that way. But fast forward to uh, grad school uh, in uh, at Rochester Institute of Technology, which is upstate New York, mm-hmm. uh, where I did my master's in telecommunications engineering. We had finally a lab that I was allowed to use, and we were able to play with the Cisco routers and switches and phones and, and wow. be able to uh, configure stuff. Um, my first time that I got intrigued, and I'm like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Um, it was my uh, homework to design a network where we can be able to call each other, to make a phone call between two phones. I thought it was the best thing that has ever happened, <laughs> if you ask me. And uh, once I got it to work, I was like, okay, this is it. This is my career. Uh, this is where what I want to do, um, network design. And I really, really want to work for Cisco. So it was my dream to uh, be able to get a job at Cisco. So thankfully, the school that I uh, went to, it was a part of what they call university relations. Mm -hmm. Uh, That means it's part of the universities and colleges that Cisco uh, invests and it goes on site, on campus, to meet students to be able to get, uh, to recruit new students uh, out of the school once they graduate. So I started applying every role that I could be interested in in our career portal, the school um, career portal. I started applying at Cisco, and uh, eventually um, I got a job. I met someone at the career fair, uh, talked to this person who's from Cisco, and I know this person now, 
And uh, they invited me to um, the ne- very next day, we like, we want you to come for an interview, oh, uh, nice. formal interview. And uh, did the interview the next day. And um, and uh, th- then several months later, I was asked to come for uh, a round um, of interviews on campus in RTP, North Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, for an all-day interview. This is like... You know, if you, after the interview, if you still want to work for Cisco, yeah, that means you really do because <laughs> yeah, it, it. it was a fire. It was a seriously fire. Um, yep. But in the end, um, I got a job offer and uh, I moved from Rochester to North Carolina, which was a dream come, come true for me. So that's really how I got into Cisco. Wow, that's, what a great story. I know, right? I've been through those interviews. Yeah. They're, uh, they're Not tough. Easy. They're brutal. You, at the end of the that's day, you just drain, you just melt, and you're just like, okay, like that happened. I seriously, I, at the end of the day, one of the interviews, I can't remember what happened. I seriously just like, I'm like, oh God, I don't know where. It was just like <laughs> too much information in one day and it's too many, like eight interviews in one day, seriously. Circuit overload. And, uh, <laughs> different kinds of type of people. Um, but one of my favorite thing, maybe because I'm an engineer, that's also got me in a like, Cisco, this is it. Um, some of the engineers who interviewed me, they were in shorts. I'm like, this is it. <laughs> you know, people are attracted by a lot of things, but the casualness and people wearing the shorts and they have a backpacks. I'm like, perfect. Oh, wow. There's something so, to that. Okay. I know yeah. one of the first the first couple of days when I started at Cisco, I came, you know, I had my high heels, I had my slacks, I had my button down, and I was like very professional and in <laughs> in Raleigh and you know Research Triangle Park. Everyone's like, "What are you doing? Like, do you, are the executive like what what is going on?" And so yeah. I think on, do you have an interview. Yeah. That's the first thing they ask you, and be like, "Do you have an interview? Yeah, like, what are you doing?" So, and so I think I, I get it. I didn't care though. I mean, honestly, so I started out in RTP, and I've yeah. always liked to dress up. So anyone that knows me, um, I don't think I saw pocket squares in RTP before yeah, I started not? wearing them or whatever. But I didn't care. They were just like, "Well, wait a second. Like, you're supposed to be an engineer, and you're technical, and you're dressing like they. Why are you dressing like yeah, an account manager?" I'm just like, "Well, I don't have to fit into a." Mold. So you can be yourself. <laughs> however you want to be. have that flexibility, you yeah, know. Yeah. So it's just a, it, it, it's good. So I can get why you were attracted to that for sure. I am the opposite, so you can understand why I love uh-huh. that. Mm-hmm. I I do not like to dress up. And <laughs> it really is stressful for me. Um, it's absolutely so. That was one of uh, another things that I was like, this is it. It's still my love and and uh, interest in Cisco. So it was awesome. Well, it been looks, awesome. It looks like you made the right choice. And so I know that you've enjoyed your time here at Cisco and you've clearly had some success both in your role and as a Cisco Bridge Award winner, right? So a lot of people probably know you from the Bridge Awards because I know that you were all over the place and you guys got to go to South Africa. Um, so maybe give us a brief tidbit about that Bridge Award. But what I'd like to dig into and hear about is what you did leading up to that Bridge Award and maybe some of the challenges and, and, and how tough it was, because I think it's great to honor people for the work that they've done. But a lot of times I'm all inspired by the effort that went into it leading up to it. So tell us a bit about that. 
Yeah, so that is really, it was, first of all, just to start at the Bridge Award uh, process, it's a, it's a something that Cisco put in, uh, in uh, started in, that was, my God, time flies by, that was in 2018. So, uh, the 2018, that's when they uh, introduced and asking people to uh, nominate people, peers, which is what I love about it. It's not your manager or uh, another leader who comes and be like, we have somebody who has done this. It's your peers, the people who know you. So uh, they ask all employees to uh, nominate people who have um, gone above and beyond uh, to help their communities or their peers uh, to be nominated for that. Um, so a um, few weeks late, I saw that email. didn't get a chance to get to it, but uh, eventually, shortly after, I get a notification that someone has nominated me for uh, my work with the Rising Above the Storms um, nonprofit. So, um, a little bit about it: the Rising Above the Storms is a nonprofit that I founded. Um, started out in 2012 because it was something that I was just working on my by myself on my own. So it just took time. I took my time to uh, make it official. Sometimes like 2014 is when I really made it official uh, with the state of North Carolina. But what the nonprofit is about, it's uh, my personal story and life um, that uh, where I get to use my personal tragic experience in life to uh, be able to in- inspire others and also be able to uh, help those who are not as, as fortunate. So yeah. in a quick summary is that um, I lost my parents to a 1994 genocide in Rwanda. I was uh, 13 years old. Um, I had five siblings. So two of my siblings, one older than me, the other one younger than me, they both were killed with my parents. And uh, I survived at 13 with my younger siblings who were um, 8 to 63 years old. So just being left uh, to not only just don't have explanation, be like, what do I do now? How do yeah. I become a parent? There was no room to be able to decide and be like, okay, this is who I want to be or, oh, shit, do I have a choice to do this? Or yeah. There was no such thing. It was, this is it. That's one-way street. You don't move. You're getting hit. That's it. So wow. um, pretty much took my younger siblings as um, to take care of them and... and um, we, you know, despite everything that we had to face, uh, we were able to uh, eventually return to school and be able to um, graduate. Uh, so it, it helped for me because I was, I've always, even before then, which my parents were very proud of, um, I was an A student, so everything that from high school to college to grad school, yeah. I was fortunate to get full scholarships in every single one of them, which is a blessing because mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have had anybody to pay for my school. Um, but my siblings were fortunate because even though they were not um, A students like me, I was able to support them. So I pretty much uh, raised them, that's how I call it, supported them, paid for all uh, their uh, college and grad school, and now two of them are married, they have kids, and and uh, I'm here. So it's just, 
using that all that person experience. Um, yeah. That's how I started rising above the storms, which uh, the pillars. It's it's three simple that speak. Um, my message and my personal story is, uh, you know, to inspire others that yeah. one that they can be able to make it as well. Uh, there's no story, no tragedy, not, no um, storm that is too uh, big or too uh, heavy to not overcome, that they too can do it. Um, just that encouragement, uh, hoping that it would inspire somebody. Um, also to empower those who are not fortunate, who are not as fortunate to uh, through education. So right. we, my nonprofit focuses on on providing education for. Right now, we work with the kids in Rwanda, street kids, and um, also uh, the part of it, advocacy, which is includes to advocate for those who don't uh, necessarily who have been left out, like orphans, because by definition, uh, those three things really define my personal story, and that's why I called my nonprofit Rising Above. The Storms. So that's the work I have been doing is what got me nominated for the Bridge Award. That's awesome. So let me ask you this. I know that that tragedy and that perseverance is part of what made you who you are, right, and gave you this powerful story. But has it been tough to, was it tough to kind of put yourself out there like that and share? Because I know a lot of times we all have different reactions to tragedy, right? And that can be tough to kind of put that out there for the world to sort of, to sort of see. So was that tough for you? It is. Yeah. So it is. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you that, and I'm gonna tell you some areas where it was very difficult for me. Um, so, but at the same time, to speak about it, to share about it, the biggest support system that it needs you to survive that vulnerability is people who care. Mm-hmm. If you t- share about a specific situation, which is really what have been ha- happening to me here in the U.S., is that I was surrounded w- with people who are not trying to be like, oh, we get it, or we, you know, no. I was surrounded by people who absolutely don't understand this thing about a genocide or losing parents yeah. or raising yourself, but they try to be understanding. So that's the biggest thing. Um, that keeping it on your, to yourself, it's really not going to help you. Um, one other thing that I can tell you as much as painful was is that uh, through talking about it, it actually brings the healing. Mm-hmm. Um, it brings the healing that you can be able to say it, and it creates some sense of of uh, encouragement and strength and mm-hmm. and uh, feeling perhaps accomplished because maybe you never gotten a chance to uh, talk about it because the first time I shared my personal story for the first time, it was here in the United States, which I came to the U.S. maybe 22 years later after the genocide. Oh, well, maybe not 22. I came in in 2006, so 12 years later. Um, so it's um, it's definitely it took it took me a long time, uh, but. When I started talking about it, it really uh, changed how I feel, and it made me. Uh, it turned, turned turned me into something that I'd be like, oh, maybe this can help somebody. When at the beginning I was like, okay, I I, I don't want to talk about it. So 
Yeah. But I'm gonna tell you one time that made it very made me very exposed and and vulnerable. Not in a perhaps you get it. Um. So when I first shared my personal story with the Cisco employees, mm-hmm. it was back I think in 2000, maybe 14 or 16. Um, my personal story, someone reached out to me and asked me to write it, uh, you know, my personal story in a small um, text uh, story to be shared on the We Are Cisco series, uh, mm-hmm. on uh, on the We Are Cisco, uh, to be able to share it. Uh, I did, which I was very conflicted of because I have guided that part of me mm-hmm. uh, between my profession. It was a shield. I found comfort for some reason in knowing that I have separated my personal and professional life. So none of my colleagues knew about none of my friends at Cisco. I simply just keep it to myself, kept it to myself because I wanted it to be uh, some type of thing that I held on to, but at that point I was just freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, now everyone knows those are people you work with. You know, some of them we may not be friends because in the yeah. past I only shared it with friends. So, mm-hmm. um, but it was a breakthrough and I have gotten out, outpouring support again, expanded my community of people who are not trying to tell me that they know how it feels. It's people who tell me that they care and that they want to help. You know, I think that's important. And and that's one thing you touched on that I'd like to put out into the universe is that the importance of, it's really easy, I think, to try and think, okay, what do I say? You know, how do I empathize with this person? You're like, okay, yeah, I get it. I've been there. And sometimes that can be insulting. You know, sometimes you don't have to make that sort of identification. Sometimes it's enough to just listen and say, that's terrible. That's a lot. You, you know, know that, that, that's a journey that you went through. And, and I know, you know, I've just been kind of sitting here listening to the story and, to your point, Chris, I don't have words to, you know, mm-hmm. to be like, wow, that that really is terrible. It is it is terrible. And, yeah. and the fact that you're able to, you know, through your own time, Alphonsine, you were able to share it and kind of now use it for good and, you know, see how you might help others who maybe they didn't experience the same thing, but maybe there's some parallel where they can find strength in your journey and, you know, you can inspire them like you're doing and you can empower them. And I think that yeah. that in itself, you know, it, it's the, the, the details in the journey and, and what you come from that. It's just... Yeah. And you said something about healing, too. Um, and it, it's nowhere near the same thing. Um, but I I learned that heart lesson myself. I know when I lost my father to cancer a couple of years ago, um, I felt ashamed because, you know, at the time I was still working at Cisco and I knew he was in dire straits and I thought I had more time. You know, the doctor knew and my mom had told the doctor, he said, you know, Hey, I've got the son that lives across the country in Seattle. Like if it gets to a point to where he's right there and we're about to lose him, you know, he needs to know so that he can bring his family and his kids to say goodbye. And I didn't get that warning. I didn't. And I still struggle to this day um, with feeling this sort of shame that I didn't get to tell him like, hey, the sacrifice you made for me didn't go in vain. And I appreciate mm-hmm. it. And I didn't get the chance to have my son. And they were very close, like have him say goodbye. And I felt like I robbed him of that. And I spoke about it in a video. And it was tough to even get through the video, right? Because, you know, you, you almost want to tear up. But sharing that, right, and telling people I kind of have that regret, um, it helps to kind of heal that wound. And if I can put energy out into the universe and let other people know about that pain, maybe it gives them a chance to kind of right a wrong or maybe it gives them a chance to kind of gain some perspective. So I'm a big believer in, like you said, that although they're 
varying levels of pain, right? And I can't identify with your situation, but I can identify with the healing of really, really putting yourself out there, having that vulnerability and sharing. I think that's really important. I think that your story highlights that, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and I'm so sorry uh, about your dad. And and uh, but I I know the biggest thing that I learned that has no boundaries, that has no color associated to it, or social, you know, social class or anything in life is that we all um, struggle and go through different things and. You would see that a lot of people can identify with somebody who doesn't have it together. You know, in other yeah. words, just sharing that struggle you are going through, you would likely um, find somebody who would be like, thank you for encouraging me. I hated myself for this, or I went through this, and, and it's just your story, and it just encourages. It's not even that it brings an answer. It just, it's just it's knowing that you are not alone. Yes, you know, that's human. really where it's, yeah, it's just the sense of belonging, the sense of knowing that even if it's a mistake you made in life, even if it's uh, something, you know, good you may, you do in life, you're knowing that somebody else also, not that you want people to fail, but when you hear a story of someone who went through uh, what you went through or something else, you can relate to each other. You can reach out to each other. So um, I think that's really what I learned, and that's what people uh, can um identify with they can relate to you and when you be you're vulnerable obviously um you never know how people will react to it but you cannot uh really live a life trying to um with if you know it's just a terrible uh way to live uh to think about what if this what if that so um i tell people that i the biggest what if in my life has happened, so I really have no time to uh, try to think about what if someone doesn't like this. Yeah. It's, um, I think sharing your heart and and uh, caring, and uh, it's uh, uh, that's all that I think that is required of me. The rest uh, is it just like up to the listener. Yeah, absolutely. Could not agree more. This podcast is brought to you by We Are Cisco employees who love working at Cisco and are proud to be awarded World's Best Workplace for 2019. Well, Alphonsine, I know we kind of talked about, um, you know, you, how you got to Cisco and that really cool journey from school to, to now when we, you know, we're kind of talking about what you do um, to give back. But is there is there anything else that you do in your personal time that, you know, I'm sure that keeps you very busy with your Cisco day job and, you know, with your um, rise above? But is what else, what else do you do? What else happens after your nine to five? Yeah, no, definitely. So I um besides reading books, maybe after work, uh, reading books mostly um about my my nonprofit because it's I wear multiple hats and mm-hmm. and uh, just learning about how nonprofit leadership works. Um, it's something I also do. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite thing to do, but <laughs> I do it anyways. Um, and I love movies. I've always been that way, and and um, you know, all funny shows and 
things like that. So what's your favorite show? Uh, what, what are you currently this? watching? Like what's 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 on repeat or what's top of oh your list God. in your household? Yes, I've on got repeat. Re- <laughs> no, on repeat. It's repeat that because my husband, if he was here, he would roll his eyes. <laughs> I seriously love the show Friends. <laughs> you know, the hands-on, I have uh, watched it, like, uh, every time my husband says it, I see he rolls his eyes, because, I mean, oh, he never watches anything more than twice. I've watched this show maybe 20 times. Oh, man. I, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I love that show, and I don't have to pay attention, and every mm-hmm. time I, I laugh, so sometimes when I'm home and cooking, it's always run, running in the background wow. um, because it's just I wanted that noise and I don't have to pay attention it always makes me laugh so uh, that and I loved the Big Bang Theory it's now over mm-hmm. but uh, that was uh, the type of humor and okay. life and I've always identified with the uh, those guys and girls' lives because yeah. I've always been somebody who is I'm introvert but also yeah. kind of a nerd and from the engineer and being technical I'm a very introvert and I don't know how to talk to people I <laughs> just met met and I really seriously there's a fear that creeps over me when I meet the a person for the first time and you tell me to talk to them or a group of people that is just like really really terrifying to me so, you seem to do just um, fine when I met you in Bellevue I, I know with, with Liz Brown when she was here I, I met you there I like would, you seem to be just fine <laughs> yes because I had a number with me so I was with Liz so that's always <laughs> that always helped me um, if someone introduces me or if someone asks me questions otherwise I really have no um, no ounce of just what to say to people I just met and uh, or groups of people that is forget about it. So wow, um, I'll tell you yeah. a secret, Alphonsine. Um, in terms of friends, I never watched the show when it first, when it was like actually airing from week mm-hmm. to week. Somewhere after it finished, though, I fell in love with the show and like it's it's from a, my generation, right? Um, my son, who's young, he's liked it ever since he was like five. He really? loved the show, <laughs> and so literally, and it's one of those things that where we used to play it every night when we fall asleep because again you don't have yeah. to be paying attention you go in and out exactly. we we replaced it with Frasier because Frasier was a show that oh, I was like Frasier. that type of humor yeah. um, and I used to watch it with my mom when I was very young mm-hmm. and my friends would be uh, like what kind of child like <laughs> Frasier kid watch that? <laughs> like, like, what, like what kind of humor are you into and I, I just love that sort of humor and so Friends and Frasier like when they I think they're both off Netflix now uh, but I was gonna like, say I've never watched either oh, so oh, man, you I don't can know where I'm gonna find over it and over, you are like, missing out you are friends, out. like we were on a break. Could yes. I be anymore? Like, I, okay, I can there's do all that. plenty yeah, of so. memes, you know. So I'm definitely, I know, but I, I haven't watched it. it. I personally, I think that it's the best, and you have, you absolutely have to watch it. And uh, yeah. I would watch it again and again. And and yeah, like you don't have so. My husband likes it, Frasier. That's the type of humor that he like also Frasier. likes uh, <laughs> over friends. And and I've watched the Frasier with him, but it's just like not something that I would want to go back <laughs> no, and watch. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just I, I, I'm yeah. like... <laughs> 
it seems yeah exactly yeah of course we are different and I'm different with you know from my husband in the, in that sense that he would not sit down to watch friends but uh, I wouldn't watch uh, Frasier again I can go through it once about oh, friends I uh, oh my goodness even on the plane when today I get excited yeah. uh, one time I was flying from um Amsterdam to Rwanda and and uh, the plane had uh, that show on the on one of the yeah, collections. I was like, oh my god, this is heaven Just for me. <laughs> <laughs> We're always looking for great people to join our company. If these conversations are resonating with you and Cisco sounds like your dream workplace, visit cs.co slash team Cisco to learn how you can become a Ciscoian. Well, uh, Alphonsine, I have a I have a few questions for you. I like to call it yeah. this or that. So they're they're not going to be too difficult, but I'll I'll tell you one or the other, and then you kind of tell us which one you would choose. Okay. Sure. All right. So the first one is audiobook or a real book. Real book. You know, being an engineer, I still really want a physical book that I can really read. It's it's weird, but uh, yes, a book, real book. What's the last book that you read? Do you remember? Um, I'm reading uh, 12 essential essentials of uh, a nonprofit board. So it's related to my nonprofit. That's great. That, like you said, it's it's good to, to keep your skills sharp there. So Absolutely. Are you more adventurous or cautious? Um, I think in the half, in the middle of the, like a mm. combination of the two. Mm. I don't think I would go lean on one or the other. Um, there's a, sometimes that I'm absolutely just, I'm like, okay, I want to see how this goes, the way it goes. But yeah. sometimes I'm like, uh, yeah. So <laughs> maybe a combination of the two in average. A good healthy mix of both. Yeah. Rachel, Monica, or Phoebe? Ooh. Oh my goodness, um, uh, Rachel! I um, yeah. I always liked Rachel, and uh, I just like she. There was something uh, honest about her, and just um, if I had to go extra and go parallel to the guys, Joey. Uh, it oh, was like fun. they just had, yeah, weirdness, but just those <laughs> two were, um, but still are my favorite because of just the honesty. They were not pretentious. She was pretty they were honest, not, too. I mean, did you see her they run? Were, she, she was honest, but weird. You know, there's being honest, but there's just like being, you know, if you go, for example, to the Big Bang Theory and they go to Sheldon, absolutely not. You know, just, you can be, gotcha. you don't have to say everything. So, That's just true. like Phoebe was just like, you know, this person invited to her future in-laws and be like, she started talking about how she kissed the team. You know, there's being honest and being weird. So Joey and Rachel, they were honest on the average. They were kind of left behind us, same as Phoebe and people who didn't have a, man, a lot of money in the group, but yeah. definitely uh, Rachel, there was just something about her and and uh, that was honest. And As long as you didn't say Ross, and, I, I, I was fine with it. As long as you didn't oh say Ross, God. I was no. fine Oh my God. No, Ross is the bottom of the list. If you have to rank everybody from 
from top <laughs> to bottom. He's way bottom, not even six, maybe ten. I can I can't stand him. I agree He's with you. And Matt, Madison, this will make sense to you if you go and watch the show. Like, and you know, so we're gonna look back on this, and you're gonna. This is all gonna, make, gonna make so sense. much sense. You're like, ah, oh, I get it, and you're gonna be no. like, oh yeah, I, I hate Ross. Okay. <laughs> yes, well, you would not. Seriously, bottom of the list. So uh, for me, anyway. So, but Retro and Joey definitely right up because of just so many uh, different characters that I liked about them. Well, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, Alphonsine, we thank you so much for being a guest on our show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Who knew that you were as much of a fan of uh, the show Friends as I was? Um, so it's always good getting to know the side of people. In the theme of our show with Madison and I, we also like to embrace the spirit of gratitude. And so we thank you for coming on the show. And we also want to give you the opportunity because you've given to us of your time. Is there anything that we can do for you to further your cause? Or is there any way in which we can use our platform to help you out? Now is the time to kind of let us know how we can do that for you. Yeah, definitely. I really, really appreciate it this time and and for inviting me to uh, be able to share with you. Um, and uh, it's just, again, for the, the whole things that we talked about, uh, how we help with the healing and and uh, boosting confidence and, and uh, be able to hopefully inspire somebody. Um, but I would just perhaps invite people to join to, to join me. Um, and and how I say this is that I'm not necessarily asking, like, oh, yeah, come donate to my nonprofit, which I would not turn down and I would appreciate it. <laughs> But also just to reach out to anybody, reach out to help. And uh, because my uh, theory in life is that help somebody you never know when you would need help from so somebody true. else. So um, just maybe just visit my uh, website, risingabovethestorms.org, uh, to find more information on the work that we're doing in Rwanda and and uh, how we're helping kids get off the streets and, and stay sober and go back to school. We have one who just uh, passed the exams to qualify him for high school, which is a tough exam. Just looking how their future is it is going to be changed and how they're impacted for some small. Uh, it doesn't even take a lot. It just gives me hope. So uh, in, uh, perhaps in, in inviting our listeners to um, Join me, just check out our website, again, risingabovethestorms.org, and uh, just see what we're doing and what I have been up to. So thank you for that. Awesome. We'll make sure that that word gets out. So thank you so much, Alphonsine, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And it's been a blast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the We Are Cisco podcast with Chris Richardson and Madison Setness. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like what you're hearing, feel free to leave us a review. You can keep up with us by following We Are Cisco on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Cisco on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening.